Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. An N95 is like putting on a condom, okay? If you're going to wear lesser grade protection, it's like using condoms that have holes in them. Maybe the condom will still protect you, <laughs> but you would probably prefer to use the condom that is, uh, is well packaged and has no holes in it. I'm Annie Reese. And this is Politico Dispatch. I mean, I could talk forever about N95s, uh, fortunately or unfortunately for the listeners here. And that's our healthcare reporter, Rachel Levy. Feel free to use that clip <laughs> if, that, if that can get the message across. The condom thing is really evocative. <laughs> it's evocative, but I also think it's like, it's a, it's a good way to explain to people. I, I mean, I know it's like, people like talking about sex, but I don't actually understand why it hasn't been used as an analogy because it really gets people's attention. So now that we have your attention, today, the CDC's updated guidance on N95s. We, we are operating in the mindset of shortage when we have not been in a shortage of N95 masks for well over a year. We never educated people once the shortage was over about how they should be protecting themselves. Rachel Levy broke the story that some hospitals have been asking patients to remove their N95 masks, even though they offer better protection. Rachel's reporting changed national policy in a matter of days. But the question remains why policymakers in the U.S. are so behind on mask guidance. So tell me what's been going on with N95 issues in hospitals. So uh, the N95, you might remember it from the beginning in the pandemic when we didn't have nearly enough of them uh, and <laughs> doctors and nurses were scrambling to get them. They are highly protective masks. They protect you from spreading it to other people and also protect you mm -hmm. from inhaling uh, the airborne virus. So very important. We haven't had a shortage of these masks for quite, a, quite some time now. And patients uh, in some parts of the country were heading to hospitals throughout the pandemic uh, wearing these highly protective N95s. And in some cases, we're told, you know, at the front desk when they enter the hospital, no, you need to take that off. Uh, you need to wear uh, a surgical mask instead, which is much less protective. So why were hospitals telling patients to change their masks? So different hospitals would say different things about why you would need to wear their surgical mask over, you know, much more protective N95 that you came in wearing. Sometimes they would say to the patients, oh, well, our policy is everybody has to wear this uh, hospital-issued mask. Mm -hmm. When I reached out for comment, they would usually say something like, oh, well, we don't know what kind of mask they're wearing. Uh, it could be defective or it could... You know, it could, we don't know the quality of it. Therefore, we, for standardized quality control, just make everybody wear a surgical mask instead. Some people I talked with said that they were told, you know, you can't wear your own mask because you might be bringing COVID <laughs> into the facility, uh, you mm -hmm. know, on the surface, which is, is sort of an interesting comment because then it's like, okay, well, do you need to take off your clothes too? It doesn't quite make sense. Right. But that, this is just, these are some of the, the reasonings that patients were given. Uh, and and this, this isn't necessarily new. It's, it's happened, I think, throughout the pandemic. We were just really the first ones to, to document it happening. And this story went viral very quickly. Why do you think that is? What chord did it strike? I think that 
it really strikes at how confused our country is about mm. what masks can and can't do. That's sort of why I was saying earlier about you know, the N95 shortage at the beginning. Everybody, frankly, should have probably been wearing these from, from the start. They're the, some of the most protective masks that we have. Uh, we've known that for a very long time, uh, pre-COVID, uh, but we couldn't, as members of the public, access them. It was very hard to find them at the beginning. Yeah. We never educated people once the shortage was over about how they should be protecting themselves from an airborne virus. I'm telling you, you go out, go to your grocery store. People are wearing cloth masks. Maybe they're wearing surgicals. Maybe they'll wear KN95s. It is very rare to see people wearing N95s, which are produced in our country, which are regulated by our country, which are much less subject to counterfeiting, which are much cheaper now, which are widely available and are, are the most protective masks you can get effectively. These are not the ones that are worn by the American public in an airborne pandemic. Plus, there were a record number of hospitalized patients who got COVID during the Omicron wave, right? So this is like something we were actually seeing. Yeah, your risk of catching COVID at a hospital uh, is not zero. Um, and that's because of, you know, the same ways that, you know, COVID transmits in any other public indoor space. Uh, hospitals tend to have better ventilation, but not all of them do. And sort of by and large, healthcare workers have been wearing surgical masks, which are, I should note are also much cheaper than mm -hmm. N95s for the most part. So what was the CDC reaction after your first story published? So the CDC, about a week after my story, just documenting that this was happening at, at hospitals, you know, patients being asked to take off their N95s, the CDC faced a lot of uh, inquiries, let's say, and, uh, and interest from, you know, patient advocate groups. And they were trying to figure out what to do about this, you know, about this confusion, mm -hmm. because the CDC never said that you have to do this to, you know, that, that hospitals have to make you take off your N95. But at the same time, hospitals were saying, well, we're following CDC guidelines. And the CDC huh. says that surgical masks are sufficiently protective, which is also true. So it's, you know, so there was confusion there. Anyway, yeah. CDC, about a week after my story, issues updated guidance saying, hospitals, if a patient comes in and they're wearing a highly protective mask, higher grade than what you're offering, you let them wear, wear their mask. That's a pretty big policy change. Yeah, I think because it's in writing, it gives patients the ability to point to it. It's on the CDC's website under like sort of like an FAQ. It gives patients the ability, if this is still happening to them, where they're entering a facility and being told to take off a protective mask, they can point to this and say, hey, actually, this is what the CDC guidance says. Yeah. So what, what were the reactions you were getting from the administration? Like, was it a positive reaction, negative reaction? I mean, <laughs> I guess it, it depends where, where within. I've gotten some reaction from the CDC saying, like, why are you so focused on N95? Cases are so low. Surgical masks are essentially enough. N95s are uncomfortable. And, you know, the CDC is trying to move the country towards less masking it's, with the latest guidance, too. So the other thing I was going to say is that, um, America's hospital regulator, it's under another agency centers for Medicare and Medicaid services. They also are looking into this issue after my story. So uh, mm. two days or so after 
my initial story, I wrote about this where CMS was starting to look at how they can get patients to report safety complaints. If you're being told to to remove your mask, for example, at a facility, uh, how do you, as a member of the public, report that to regulators to make sure that that's not happening to more people? Yeah. If you're a cancer patient, if you're immunocompromised in any way, you can't get infected. You just, you can't get an, you can't get a COVID infection and, uh, you know, your, your N95 essentially, or, or higher grade mask is really all you have protecting you from, from the virus essentially. So I think that's partially why it resonated because these are still life and death issues, you know, went viral, as you mentioned, I think it's because a lot of people, uh, either had had this happen or knew about it happening or were upset that it was happening. Yeah. I mean, that confusion makes a ton of sense for people in the general public. For people at the CDC, like, why have they been so slow in recommending N95s? We're on year three of the pandemic. As you said, they haven't been, there hasn't been a shortage for a long time. So, like, it's still kind of puzzling to me why they've been so slow in recommending them because they are the people who, like, know that they are much better protection. Right. I mean, I will say that that is an interest for me that I am continuing to report. I do know that the CDC is aware of these concerns. I know that their outside pandemic advisors have been asking them literally for well over a year since Biden took office, you know, please upgrade the masking recommendations. Um, and, and to be fair to the CDC, their website does say, you know, an N95 is very protective. You can wear one. But it, I mean, I will say there has definitely been confusion. And this is despite that, you know, the federal government has also been distributing free N95s, too. This is a, a fairly recent program, but you can now go into your pharmacy and you can get free N95s. I don't think that's necessarily widely known, but that is a, that is a relatively new program, too. The other thing I would say, too, is N95s aren't actually necessarily more expensive either now. Like, you can go online... You go to Project N95, they have like 30 different brands you can buy. You can get, buy them at CVS now. I went in Arlington recently. I got um, a pack of the 3M Auras, which are very comfortable. Um, I just I recently started wearing those personally, actually, after a recommendation from, from somebody. You do have to kind of find like the right one that fits for you. You know, it's I say it's kind of like buying jeans. Like my jean size is not going to fit my dad or my mom or my sister, you know, so it's everyone's face is different. So you, you might have to try a few brands to find one that that seals well for you. But I'm all for it. And um, I, I figure, you know, if you're going to wear a mask, you might as well wear something that actually is protecting you and other people too. I mean, I have to say it must be pretty gratifying to write a story about something that doesn't seem to make sense, and then have lawmakers act on it. Right, right. I mean, my goal when I'm reporting, you know, I'm a journalist. I, I document what is happening. It's interesting, and I, I like to see what happens from the reporting, but I can never guarantee that I write a story and it's it's going to result in something changing. And I think this is the first time I've reported something where, where it had a policy effect that quickly. So it, it surprised me, too. Rachel Levy, thank you so much for talking with me. Of course. Happy to be here. Also in the news, President Joe Biden told Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in a call on Wednesday that the United States plans to provide Ukraine with an additional $500 million in direct budgetary aid. And U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai told lawmakers on Wednesday that China has not bowed to pressure to fulfill its obligations under a Trump-era trade agreement. 
and that the Biden administration must now more directly confront the harmful effects of Beijing's economic behaviors. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.